Welcome back to The Right Angle. G-Man, I was just thinking, I want to get your thoughts on The Right Angle, the musical. <laughs> I, I got the perfect theme song, Highway to Hell, <laughs> by ACDC. Oh, uh, man. Do they, with, I've, you know, with all the groups that still tour, do they still tour at all? Do you know? ACDC had one member die. And oh, one, right. the lead singer has uh, hearing problems, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, only two out of the four are, are what you would call healthy. Okay. Uh, and I, I don't know if they're going to tour again. I, I would like to see them tour again, but I don't yeah. know if they will. Huey Lewis also has something wrong with his hearing or whatever, and he hasn't been touring for years. Yeah. So, I don't think he can really. Sad. Yeah. I don't think he can really sing anymore I, I think something's wrong with his voice also i oh, think that could and that be. might be Maybe uh, yeah and of course there's julie andrews which was one of the tragedies of all time when that happened and she's got like literally like a three note range now or something and she used to have oh, a man. five octave so uh, i don't know just fall never... by the wayside yep exactly well i'll let you uh spring the trap first tonight what's cooking on your end i got i got a good one and it just came to me as i was watching tv before we came on the air here oh what would you do if a robot came up to your table when you were out dining with your bride and you had to deal with a robot instead of a waiter or a waitress yeah, instead of a waiter say say you were uh, let, let, let me set it up a little better. Than All that. right. Say you All were right. taking a vacation to California and you're in Silicon Valley and you say, oh, I heard this great restaurant had blah, blah, blah. Let's go there. All right. You go there and a waitress or I mean, a, a person seats you then you're sitting there and then a robot comes up and says, may I help you? Here's. <laughs> touch my nose for the menu, you know, then push yeah. my belly button for drinks. And uh, how would you react? Not knowing uh, that you were going to get a robot. Well, I think the natural inclination would be, as you have so well put it, to look around to see if you're being pranked or punked. Uh, <laughs> but if it was the real deal... And, well, I guess a lot of questions come to mind. If you, you sit down, is everyone else being served by robots or can you not see anyone else? So no, you don't, it's you out know. of the blue. I okay. mean, maybe they are being served by them, but, but maybe all the robots are in getting your orders. Okay. <laughs> and yours comes up to your table out of the blue. Yeah. And and it's it's just like one of those robots you see on on, right. on TV for the you know AI stuff. I think I would, my first reaction would be to celebrate because I wouldn't have to tip. Bingo! Bingo! Great minds think alike. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I thought, you know, I don't have to tip then. What what are they going to do with money? Yeah, right. Buy some oil for their hinges or something? You know? That's exactly what I thought when I saw that that person, this robot was pushing a card up with a birthday cake on it. Oh, to these two gosh. people that looked like they didn't know they were being served by a robot. Yeah. And, you know, everyone thinks that's neat and cool. And and I think it would be highly uh, annoying to myself, to you know, because I'm going like, you know, first of all, we, nowadays we get when we're at a restaurant, we got to use a little scanner things with your phone to get the menu. It's like, come on, you know, bring some paper menus back, for God's sakes. Everyone knows it's not a surface virus, so bring them back. But no, you know, you got to put your phone up to it. Then, you, you know, your phone's tenth, one-tenth the size of a menu. You're squinting at it. You didn't bring your glasses. Ah, forget it. It is. Do you like having the little things on the table so you can pay there and you don't have to wait for the server to come and get your credit card? That is sort of nice. That's, I think, uh, Olive Garden has that. Uh I, I mean, it's it's okay if you learn how to use it. Yeah. But, you know, the my waitress at Olive Garden when I was there last time said, "Would you are you paying cash or 
credit and I said cash because I have white supremacy. And she said, okay, well, then I won't show you how to use the credit card thing. Ooh. It's like, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, have somebody train you on how to pay for your bill. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not right. No. It is sort of annoying when they have that thing there and they like, you know, you can play games or, or your kids can spend money and play little things while they're waiting, but it just takes up table space. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, you, you point that out. And I learned that if you play those games on that, uh, you get charged for them. Yeah. And they don't tell you that when you're playing. The I games, know. <laughs> you know, so you, oh, that what's this $5 for? Well, that's for the games you played on the thing. I go, that's great. Cause that $5 is coming off your tip for not telling me that I had to pay for the game while I was sitting here waiting for my food. Oh. After I scanned the menu on my phone. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, there is something fun about getting a big old menu and opening it up and looking at everything. Although I, it is, it's sort of annoying now that everything is rounded off to the dollar. They don't even have cents anymore. Most of the places. Literally, they don't have sense <laughs> with that. I, I'm I'm done with that stuff. I I always ask if they've got the little scanner thing. I always say, "Can I have a menu?" Because because when you're on your phone, you got to keep flipping up and down. Yeah, yeah. To to see what what was that? Was it, did it was it fish tacos or chicken tacos? You know, open the menu and there it is, right there for you. It's very simple. I don't want to go out and learn. Uh, a computer system when I'm going out to eat. I, I want to go out and have somebody serve me, and I'm a great tipper when they're yep. good. And and then I want to leave after I pay and and feel satisfied, not stressed. I, I would imagine, just like everything else, some restaurants will probably do better because they stick with the the old ways of doing it. I can't imagine a place like Cracker Barrel ever going to the electronic things but there are a surprising amount of like families with young kids in there but on the other hand there's tons of old people in uh cracker barrel yeah or cracker barrel was i i saw an article about this i don't know six seven months ago they're the number one restaurant for good food and plenty of it mm. and the number one in the nationwide survey of chain wow. restaurants. Yeah, they, it is. Yeah. I always kind of raise a stink when we go there, but I generally do get good food. So, and it, it really is not too expensive either. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. It's actually very, very, very inexpensive to go there. Everyone go to Cracker Barrel. Plus my, I can't, yeah, I can't leave that place without my wife buying something out in front of me. I know. You know, she's always looking around. I'm, I'm going, come on, come on, where's my table? My wife's looking at all this crap. I'm going to I'm gonna leave with three times the bill because she's buying stuff, especially at Christmas. Oh, yeah. God. Yep. It's, it's like unbelievable there at Christmas. So anyway. Wow. Hey, did you read that uh, not our – well, I don't know. It might be our, our favorite small city, well, medium, medium small, that had the problem with the principal being fired because he faked his degree and the violence and we had flip around and all that. Did you hear what the city officials have asked the residents to do? Oh, God, no. Just a second. Honey, <laughs> give me the bourbon, okay? 100 proof. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> all right. They've asked the residents not to mow their lawns until June to cut down on their carbon footprint. <laughs> Save the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> no need now. I need it for my wound in my head. Other, I, than, other than stupidity, what's the fallacy in that? The fallacy in not mowing your lawn? Yeah, until June. Until June, uh, I, I suppose you would need some sort of industrial lawnmower to cut the grass. Yep. yep. Uh, and and the grass is going to be everywhere when you're done doing that kind of stuff. I, I I there's somebody in that town that was sitting at a dinner table with their far left liberal relatives saying we got to do something about this. 
you know, uh, carbon issue. Let's not mow our lawns for two months. And, uh. and, and then me living next door, having a nice day and my window open, I yelled at my wife, honey, we're moving. We're, <laughs> we're getting out of this town. I'm done with this crap. I can't take it anymore. How do people come up with these idiotic ideas? What are they what are, what are they going to do? Go door to door, knock on it and say, "Excuse me, would you mind not mowing your lawn until the end of June so that we can keep that carbon emission down in here from our your lawnmower?" I no, ma'am, I can't because I I you told me to go out and buy an electric mower and the electric mower won't cut through that stuff when it's when it's 12 yeah. inches high. So exactly. what do you want me to do? Yeah, you wonder. Maybe they give out exemptions for that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose they could say, unless you have an electric mower, then you can do it all you want. Unbelievable. Doing their part for nothing. I, I thought for a brief second, because they are so whack in that area, I thought just for a second you were going to tell me that they were going to say, everybody, don't cut your grass for Let's see, April, May, June. Okay, almost three months, you know, in solidarity to the principle that they got. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's starting a lawnmower service or something. Yeah. Um, I didn't, if, they, if they had knocked on my door and said that, I said, get the f off my lawn. <laughs> oh, speaking of electric cars, two things. What have you heard what the electric car equivalent is of something like firing on all eight cylinders? Uh, what do you mean by that? You know, that that saying, oh, man, he's he's firing on all eight cylinders or all 12 cylinders. But if you have an electric car, oh, <laughs> he's firing on all 12 volts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's what it would be. Man, he's got a lot of electric in there, man. He's really yeah. flying with that electric <laughs> electric battery there. Yeah, instead of horsepower. I don't they, think Go ahead. I was going to say, do you have horsepower in electric cars? Do they have that measure of power? They in, a, in some electric cars, it's part electric and part gas. Okay. Those would be the only things that would be viable. Uh, so that, you know, it, I suppose what they're saying is, is that the electric takes over when you're at speeds yeah. and cuts out the, the, the gas powered part of the engine and you can keep driving. I will never, ever have a car that's totally on electric with what we have right now for the grid on electricity for cars. Yeah. Well, cause there isn't there, any. No. And there was an expert on, uh, I think it was Megan Kelly's show today because Leiden came out with another electrical vehicle mandate and said by what, 2032, that 60% of the cars have to be electric. And the guy pointed out, which we may have already, that in order to do that, we're going to have to burn more coal to supply that electricity than we're currently burning now for anything else. So not really going to work out too well. I also understand that the carbon or CO2, whatever they put out to make the batteries, is yeah. like literally, literally 50, 60 times worse than the car running on gas. So to get the battery into your car and get it moving, uh, you've already put enough you know, carbon in the air for for five years worth of a gas powered car plus of course getting the batteries from china and taiwan which will probably soon be under china's control due to our amazing president plus as you pointed out what did a new a new set of batteries cost it was like in the twenty seven thousand dollars <laughs> and the guy said said i might as well throw the car away then yeah. what happens you, you yep. you've got a volt and and it's going to cost more or almost as much to replace the battery as it did to buy the car. They're going to say, I don't want it anymore. And then what are you going to do? It's the batteries that you got to throw away. Those are the worst things for the environment. Yep, absolutely. 
So what are you going to have a, a gigantic landfill full of batteries that, and you know, we're talking a volt, which is, you know, I don't know how many, I think it was like four or five years old that this mm. guy had to have this replaced on it. And it was in this area. It wasn't someplace, you know, in Bungsuk, Egypt, that they were yeah. doing that. It's, it was right in this area where they had to have that done. And he took a picture of the invoice and said, I'm not wow. doing this. It's, and you know. From what I've heard, although they haven't been around maybe long enough to get super good data, but an electric engine, batteries, I guess, not included, so to speak, from what I understand, they may last 40, 50, 60 thousand miles as opposed to 200 or 250 for a good gas engine so it's just another one of those stupid things he says to appease the radicals exactly it's uh i yeah you're bringing up electric vehicles so i'm going to bring this up i was telling you last week about you know the car dealerships being cut out middleman and so on and so forth this was a um was an article alongside that part about all that other rigmarole. And the title of this uh, article is called The Taxman Changeth. And I'm going to read two, two paragraphs to you about electric cars. On August 15th of 2022, about 30 new EVs and 42 plug-in hybrids were eligible for federal tax credit, income tax credits. On August 16th, one day later, those numbers fell to 8 and 10. Starting January of this year, the number of qualifying EVs will raise to 11 from 30. These changes are a result in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that President Joe Hyden signed into the law on the 16th of August of last year, where they wiped out all of the federal tax credits on those cars. Wow. Here's the the last paragraph. Only one provision in the law took effect immediately, and it's a big one. Since that date, only vehicles assembled in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico qualify for a $7,500 credit, eliminating three-quarters of all the eligible vehicles. Hmm. So what that means is, is that if you buy an electric car from Germany, Japan, uh, you know, wherever, uh, you, you don't get a tax credit on those. It would be better if they eliminated all the tax credits, but... I mean, you can see why he does it in terms of made in America. But so, but like if a Toyota is assembled in Alabama or whatever, or Mercedes in South Carolina, that would still count, I would imagine. But it does kind of tilt the field a little bit. Well, you know, and, you, and <laughs> sometimes you want a, uh, a higher end car. You know, I don't know what Mexico makes. Yeah, but, uh, it's you know you want some, you want a BMW you want a Porsche, they all make electric cars. Japan makes some good electric cars, and when you when you're paying what you are for the car to begin with because they're electric, yeah, you'll never get your money back from it from the cost between gas and electric. Never will you get your money back from that car. Hey, have I asked you, speaking of cars, I may have asked you this. Have you ever, I don't think you've ever owned one, but have you ever been tempted to get a Corvette? Very much so. And because I'm married, I can't have one. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah, I wanted very, very badly the 700 horsepower uh, 2000 or, yeah, 2023 Corvette. Ooh. And I, I would, you know, I... I, I can't, she might be around, so I can't say anything else. But uh, okay. yes, I would have loved to have had one of those. But you, you don't, do you, have you ever had an American sports car? No. American made? No, it's always been, it's always been British or Japanese or Italian. Huh. Yeah. Just because it's, you do your research and that's that? Well, 
you know, the, the, really the only uh, sports car that I think America makes is the Corvette. Yeah. They've made the Fiero for Pontiac, and they've made a few other things that that were, you know, vaguely sports cars. But I, you know, I, I'm a, a traditionalist. I don't, I don't want a lot of computer stuff in my car. I want a speedometer and a tack. And, you know, the MGs, the Triumphs, the Fiats, all those cars that I've owned um, up to my uh, one that I have now uh-huh. were just pure, pure sports cars. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. Okay. Four speed, two seats, top down, you know. And, of course, uh, not, not a LED speedometer, but an actual. Actual speedometer. Yeah. No, nothing to do with computers on anything. Just just typical speedometers. It is so righteous to be out driving around every night for my large carbon footprint yeah. that I do. That I do every night, everybody out there. I drive every night that it's nice out. And you're driving along with that top down and you're you know, the burble of your motor. Yeah. Oh. It's as I've said before, therapeutic. Yeah. Absolutely. Feeling like going out and, and doing something really terrible, take a drive in a in a convertible, go out in the country, breathe the air. You'll feel better. Stay out of my way if you go out there, though. <laughs> P.S. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. I've got a, a bunch of questions for you, but you got anything else in the tickler file there? Yeah, a little. I got another little tickler thing here for you. Um, I was at uh, <laughs> I was at Whole Foods again, and did you hear about Whole Foods in San Francisco? That they shut down? Yes. I wonder shut why. Down because people were stealing and they were allowing them to get away with it. And they, they, I think the homeless people stole all of their shopping carts. Oh, my gosh. And they didn't know. So everybody, <laughs> you know, had to carry their stuff out in their hands or in their wheat bags that they bring there, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's right. In, yeah. In San Francisco. But uh, they didn't have any carts. And they just said, we've had enough of this. We're shutting down. Now, if you're the mayor of that city, what, do you, what are you thinking when that happens? Are you thinking, oh, well, uh. that's too bad. You know, you don't have shopping carts. These homeless people need them. And your carts are very sturdy, by the way. You have good wheels <laughs> on them. And they'll last a long time for these people, so they need that. So Pro- that's all right yeah. if you go out of business. On Market Street. It's on Market Street. Do you know San Francisco? That's like that's like uh, you know the big bucks area. Yeah, anyway. you want. I mean, your impression of the mayor, unfortunately, is probably just about what he. I don't even know if it's a he or she or an it there, but it's probably <laughs> literally what that person was thinking. That just saddens me so bad because you're probably exactly right. They're they're thinking they need it. You know, they're homeless. It's uh, anyway. I went to uh, Whole Foods here where they haven't stole all the carts. <laughs> And I, whenever I'm in Whole Foods, I'm always looking for things that shouldn't be anywhere on earth. And I find a lot of them in there sometimes. One of them is I, I ran across a ball of twine. And what it was, <laughs> was uh, it was Kitchen Twine Certified Organic Brand. Ooh. So I, as I'm looking at that thing and I'm thinking to myself, who comes in the store and goes, oh, honey, don't forget to get the twine to, you know, twine up our rose bushes this spring when spring comes around. Okay, be sure you find the organic stuff, okay? We want it to be organic for the twine. <laughs> if they don't have it, don't buy it. We'll go somewhere <laughs> else and find it. And the, and the other classic one. 100% recycled toilet paper. Yeah. That kind of... Yeah. How, how do you do anything with toilet paper that somebody else has touched and can recycle it? Well, I assume it's made out of paper or bags or cardboard or something, and they recycle it into toilet paper. But still... It Don't say it's little... recycled toilet paper then. <laughs> say <laughs> yeah. you used it for, from other stuff. I don't want recycled toilet paper from anyone's bathroom. Uh, how much did that ball of organic yarn cost, or yarn twine 
Do you remember? I think it was, was like it? It, it was a very small amount of it, and I think it was like eight bucks. Mm. Wow, organic. So organic twine. How, how, I mean, how do you? What's organic twine anyway? What is that? How how do you go to the EPA or the EPA or the USDA or whatever whatever you go to and say, hey hey, I made this this twine and it's organic. How, what, what does that mean? Regular good old-fashioned twine is made out of plants or, I mean, trees, whatever. So, yeah, what would make it organic as opposed to organic meat or something, which <laughs> I have a problem with anyways. Exactly. Exactly. Why even put that on there? I would be, I would be looking over my shoulder and somebody would have to pay me to go up to the cashier and buy one of those. Because I'd be thinking to myself, the cashier would say, you're an idiot. You're a knucklehead. What are you doing? Organic twine? Go down to the hardware and pay a buck fifty for the same amount. Yep. It does the same thing. How often do you go in Whole Food? Like more than I only one... go in um, on occasion. I go I go about every maybe every fifth time because my because my wife, I don't know if she's still around here, but she <laughs> likes to go in and get their chicken. You know, oh. because it, it, I don't know what it is, but she she's a chicken expert. She likes a chicken. So she'll go in and get that. But while she's, you know, diving through the 12 packs of chicken to find <laughs> out which one is best, uh, I'll look around and I'll, yeah. I'll see things. I'll see things like this. And I don't mean to, to take up all the time with this, but, but this is another one while I was in there. These are flavored waters from Whole Ooh. Foods. Okay. Hey, have you have you gone to Whole Foods? I not lately, but I've been in there, but okay. not lately. Everybody that works there looks like they came from a commune, by the way. Yeah. You know, they're all hippie-ish type stuff. Anyway, I, I went through the flavored waters and I'm gonna give you uh four of them. Okay. And you tell me if you would if you would ever, ever buy <laughs> any one of these. Peppermint watermelon. Oh, no. Peppermint, yes. Watermelon. I can't even imagine that combination. So, In, no. Individually, yes. Together, yep. you're a psychotic idiot. Lavender cucumber. Uh, downhill. Hey, what are we going to do with all this water here we're making for these cans? What, how can we sell it at, at two sixty nine a can? It's water. I know. <laughs> let's, get, let's say that it's... Let's get some lavender... And, and some cucumber, and we'll put it together, and people think that's great. Because lavender will calm them down, and cucumber, they can pour a little bit on their eyes. It'll take care of their wrinkles. <laughs> that's right. And, and that'll be all fine. Let's do that, okay? All right. Pineapple mint. Pineapple mint? Wow. Pineapple mint. No. It, it, it's, I hate mint to begin with, but to put it with pineapple? You know, it's in water. And you know what these flavors are like. It's like they're barely noticeable yeah. in the water. You know, yep. but you go, what the, what, did somebody spit in my can? Has somebody been eating a, you know, a, a lifesaver and spit in here? <laughs> anyway, last one was, was called something that, that I don't know why they would come up with this. It's something you and I might do as a joke. Water that's called liquid death. Liquid death. <laughs> Death. Ingredients being just water. Water and 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 I don't know if if there was anything. There might be a flavoring in there with it, but it's it's liquid death. And then under it it would be like a flaming skull or something oh. like that. And I, again, I, I'm just I'm just taking the scenario all the way to the end. Honey, honey, while you're at the store, get me some liquid death, will you? Huh? What? Liquid what? I, I don't, I don't know. It's, these are all waters, you know. It makes me want to go drink regular water. That's how yeah. bad they are. How often do you drink bottled water versus out of your tap? Versus never do I drink bottled water ever. Yeah, never. Uh, out of the tap, if I if I had to say how many times a year I do it, maybe five. And so you're you're just not a big water drinker. Do you no. have water in your refrigerator? Like yes. 
yes. dispenser there. Do you yep. do you use that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> my my wife and my daughter are heavy. They're they're waterholics. Yeah. You know they they got to have. If I'm going from my house to a store five miles away, she'll come out of the house and she'll All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's got to go back in and get her water. Yeah. Because we're going five miles out somewhere. She may need it in between our driveway and where we're going. <laughs> and this isn't a miles. walk, to be clear. This is a drive. Drive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Drive. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know you're a big Coke drinker, so that leads me to my question. Of course, we all know, everyone out there knows about Dylan Moldavy and the problems that Budweiser is having for their idiot decisions. But I thought I would ask, knowing that you're a Coke drinker, if he started advertising Coke, would you quit drinking it? I would probably, uh, I, that would be easy enough for me. I mean, I could I could go to another soda. Yeah. And, you know, there's three or four other sodas I, I, I can drink at any time. So yes, in answer to your question, I would definitely boycott it for a very long time till it hurt very badly for them. And so the follow-up to that is, is there any product that you, whether it's a, a beverage or a food or a whatever, a, could be any consumer product, is there anything that he would advertise that you would still buy? No, nothing, nothing. If I had to have an air cleaner for my Ferrari and I had to have it replaced and he was he was sponsoring it, I'd park it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't buy it. I would not buy it. There are certain things in life that that make me vomit in my throat. Yeah. It's, one, it's one of them. I don't think I asked this question last week because I still have it on my list. A year from now, I hate to say this, but do you think the grizzly question is, do you think he'll still be alive a year from now? Uh, or do you think Dylan or, or Hyden? Yeah, Dylan. Do you think he'll self-destruct? Oh. or Because some people say the whole thing is just a fake and he's just doing it for the money and he'll just go back to being whatever he was before. But do you think there's something mentally cuckoo with him or do you think it's all an act? I would say that it's an absolutely brilliant act. And if I was Steven Spielberg, I'd hire it for my next movie. If that's all just a, a ploy, I think he's mentally deranged. With all of his antics that he yeah. does yeah. and wanting to be filmed doing it, yes, I think he likes the attention, of course, when he's doing it. But I think he is definitely, definitely deranged. I to mean, the point does, where I won't live next door to him if he was next door to me. Again, I'd put a sign in the yard, leave, and I'd go next door, ring his doorbell, its doorbell, and say, I'm leaving because of it, you. You sicken me. I hate and, you! Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just did you, a, a leftist thing right there, everyone. I was, yeah. I was very violent. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, like those Tennessee Three, those yes. clowns. It was... Uh, don't get me started on that double standard. But do you think when he, I guess I haven't heard of this and it's probably not worth talking about, but when he, when he goes out just regularly about his day, I mean, is he always dressed up like a girl or do you think it's like a, a split personality thing or, or literally like a costume he puts on, or do you think he really spends 24 hours a day in women's apparel? <laughs> I guess I, for any, I don't know. I, I would I would only guess that he probably dresses up as a woman. I'm sorry, I keep saying he. It keeps dressing up as a woman when they go out in public. And possibly when it gets home, it will, I, I don't know what it does when it gets home. It may be uh, sweatpants. What, and, a, what a sad life, yeah. yeah. Now, would he, would, God darn it, would it get arrested <laughs> If it was out there without a top on. I know. That's indecent exposure. Yeah. Because he's, so, isn't he like selling Nike sports bras? So that's I didn't a know good that. point. Let me go vomit. I'll be right back. Okay. Sports bras. Oh, my God. Oh. 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 Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But, yeah, a, a guy like that, I guess you could be arrested. I would do it. it I would, I would it, arrest it if it was doing that. Just to 
cause him grief like it's caused me grief. Yeah, as opposed to Ellen Page, who now pretends to be Elliot Page. And I don't know if she can go topless uh, now that she's had the procedure done. That's a good question. That would be the other side of it. And I never, <laughs> I never thought of that either, where women who feel like men would go around topless. I, why don't they do that? Oh, In the summer when I they're mowing the lawn or whatever. May, oh, man. Oh, uh, or, or jogging. When they're out jogging, why not? Oh. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Some some 50-year-old uh, woman that says, I'm going to be a guy now, you know, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to jog. <laughs> With oh. no top Oh my God! Oh, that's I, not a not I, a pretty picture. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, you remember uh, to flip that on its head. The classic scene from the movie Ten with Bo Derek running in the bikini. Yes. Yeah, that's that's like just the opposite of that. Yes. <laughs> that's where we would want them to be out jogging, and that'd be, that'd be me in the car right behind them, going five miles an hour. <laughs> following them the whole way it's yeah yeah but oh, unfortunately man. everybody that want goes from being a, wanting to be a male from a female uh -huh. isn't the person you even want to be close to when they do that kind of stuff yeah so. uh what are your thoughts on the dalai lama's latest little escapade Very, i i heard that and i heard the excuses they gave for him that Dalai Lama is a very good man. He's, you know, very good hearted. He's this, he's that. And the other thing, I don't care what religion you are. I don't care where you are from. You don't in public ask a five or six year old boy to suck your tongue. Oh, I can't even hardly say it. I... <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 oh, oh. There, okay. I feel better. Oh. That, and then, you know, nothing will happen to him. No. If that were a Catholic priest, he'd be in jail. I do love the excuses they give. He's he's just a playful guy, and yeah, it's just yeah. a cultural thing. And uh, the, 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 I've never in my life read or heard anything about that type of stuff, the Tibetan monks or whatever having people suck their tongues. No. As a matter of fact, they're supposed to keep their mouth shut for like 10 years yeah, and not right. talk. So why is he talking? Jerk. Sick oh, man. Well, one more question and then, and then I'll turn it back over to you. I don't know where this, I think this was on a podcast. They were talking about this sort of stuff and it was much deeper than this, but so the question is, how often does your work challenge you? I would say because I've been doing my work in my business so long, I would say, it, you mean like, like figuring things out? Yeah. I would say maybe twice a year. I don't want to say what I do, but yeah. there are certain yeah. times that, that certain things come up where I have to figure out certain ways to do it and how to do it. And I would say, I'd say maybe twice a year now used to be a lot uh, yeah. in the early days, but not so much anymore because I also uh, keep it to a minimum as far as things that challenge me because <laughs> I'm getting toward the end of my career. So, so that, that the follow-up was, would you enjoy your work less if not literally every day, but twice a week you came across the challenging situation? No, I would like that. I, I, I like the challenge. I like the figuring out of things. And I've been able to do it pretty much my whole career. It's not, my, mine isn't um, launching rockets. And yeah. Mine isn't, uh, you know, building robots. But I... I will say that I deal with people all the time and that can be a challenge in itself. Believe yeah, me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. that's true. And those things 
come across, I guess if you want to call that a challenge, they come across a lot more often than my actual work that I do. Do you think, have you learned from, from the challenging people, have you learned sort of personality types? So when you come across that same type of person a year or 10 years down the line, you can draw from those lessons you learned? Or is everyone unique enough that you have to sort of put a twist on your approach to however you handle that person? Yes, to the first part where I can pretty much gauge by how they talk to me whether I want to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And if I get thrown a curveball, which I don't much anymore, but if I do, I definitely learn (laughs) from my challenges I have through those people. Uh, I wish I could tell you what I do, but uh, because then I could tell you about a lot of the challenges, but uh, that's that's probably my number one thing is reading people before you know I deal with them. Gotcha. So are, are there categories, sort of? I mean, have you found are there four, six, ten different kind of personality types where in that initial conversation you can say, okay. Joe over here is this kind of person or Jane over here is this kind of person. Two, two personalities, normal and OCD. Really? So it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Huh? And, and those two personalities are what I deal with, you know, a hundred, almost a hundred percent of the time. There's not any, uh, how shall I say mentally challenged People, I don't deal with those people, not because they are, but yeah. because that doesn't come into my my uh, realm of what I do. So it's either it's either normal. I, I guess if you're doing a meter on it, you could do like a half OCD, and then you can do full blown OCD. And I've been tricked twice in maybe the last ten years on the extreme OCDs, but I dealt with them. I dealt with them. And that was the challenge of, of my work at that time was dealing with them. And it was extreme. Has over the years, uh, that percentage of OCD or half OCD, OCD or normal, has it changed much or does it sort of ebb and flow and all comes out in the wash? The people that are OCD, probably grew up that way. I don't know how they do it, but they probably grew up that way and can't, you know, the people that have the soup cans in their kitchen with all the labels facing them, they have to be that way, that kind of stuff that dealing with those people. I always think to myself, they've been like this for their, for their whole lives. And, uh, you know, they want to wax the underneath part of their car type of a thing. And, uh, but I can usually tell, when they're that way. And, and like I said, I was fooled twice and, uh, and it was ugly. So, um, do you ever find that if you have a repeat customer that that customer ever changes in terms of that? Do people get quote cured of it or do they become more so under certain circumstances? Do you think? Uh, no, they don't. And I don't go back. (laughs) When I know they're OCD and, and and they they need something that I can do for them, I usually uh, won't. Um, I'll I'll let it go to voice voicemail. And, really? Yeah. Or so you 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 don't have any quote good customers, repeat customers. You just it's a one and done for those people. No, no, no. This is OCD people. Okay. That I'm yeah. talking about the yeah. the people that I know that are really really hard to deal with, I, I avoid after the one time and they're, they're very, very few and far between. And there have been a couple of OCD people that I've been able to work with normally and, Hmm. and get through what I'm doing with them. And, and it's worked out. Okay. So what do you think for people out there that are in some sort of, uh, consumer facing business and it, I mean it could be at a retail place or it could be service or whatever are there not really tricks but are there methods or or things when you run across a person like that that people listening could learn something um I'm trying to think what that 
last person. I, without getting into specifics about what I do, when they question me about what I will do for them, that is usually a leading indicator as to whether they're really OCD or or not. Hmm. How they talk to me about what they want of my services. I can pretty much, you know, decipher what what kind of a person they are by doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But once once you if if in those cases where you got tricked, once you start, you can't really no. stop until no. you're done. Correct. Correct. And it's it's a living purgatory while I'm working with these people like that. And I wish I could tell you you know, uh, what I would do because it, it's just absolutely unbelievable what some people are like. And when I work with these people, you know what I think when I'm working with them? I think you poor, wretched soul. Mm. You know, this kind of stuff bothers you in the world you're living in. And, you know, you can't, you know, you can't let it go or you can't, you know, uh, you know, bypass your thoughts on this, that or the other thing. Um, yeah, they they just they they can't do it, and I think, oh, that's so sad that they're like that. Now you have a product that you're kind of like I am, where you make a product for people. How do you find the people you work with? Uh, I guess over the years, I've had in different companies I've worked for worked with. Um, Sometimes there are like outside clients where you pretty much have to, it would be unusual in that line of work to turn down work because of that. But in the last two jobs I've had, they're all people working for the same company that come to you, the company you're working for, and they come to you and they say, hey, we need this done and we need that done. So in a way, I mean, they're still customers, if you will. Um and because of that, you get a lot of the same people. So I think like you, you figure it out. But unlike you, I don't really have the choice to say, no, I'm not going to work with you. So it is interesting that you can approach, if you've got 10 jobs or projects going on, that, uh, and I think it does sort of break down the, the way you said. It, it's not like there's a lot of degrees of, OCD-ness. It's pretty much you can figure out that this person's really easygoing and is going to cut me some slack and, you know, let me do this and that. And then there's the other kind where you really have to toe the line. And is I guess as long as you know going in, you can usually make it work. But yeah, you, you do not have the option of saying, no, I, I'm not really going to work with you. So that, I guess, has its good points and bad points. You, you don't have that option to right, say that right. you, you can do that. When you are dealing with somebody that I guess it may not be OCD with you, it might just be somebody, uh, you know, that's, that's annoying or irritating. Yeah. And they keep coming back to you for more things and you know they're going to, uh, you know, complain or do whatever. Do you ever, do you have the ability to say, you know, I don't want to deal with you anymore because I think you're such a piece of <laughs> No, I think I think in those cases, you just have to try to do such a good job the first time that when they come back to you and uh, say, all right, here's what we're going to do, here's what we're going to do, and you can say, remember how well it worked last time when you trusted me, and then it might take a couple of those times, and then the person says, yeah, I guess so, and it's not that they are any less OCD, but hopefully they'll be willing to sort of give it to you, give the project to you, let you do it. And then you show them the results and hopefully they're happy with it as opposed to kind of micromanaging whatever you're working on. So I guess that's how, that's how I, you handle it. And yeah, in terms of, I guess, speaking of challenges, it, it would be a, a different sort of challenge taking that on and trying to take more of it on yourself, hoping that you have read them right and you're going to make them happy with what you provide them as opposed to a lot of give and take along the way because those OCD people, when there is a lot of give and take, the projects can really drag on and on and 
what's there's a saying about perfection is the enemy of good or something like that. So when you have a person that is uh, particularly annoying uh, to you when you're when you're you know somebody that's looking over your shoulder so to speak and you know nitpicking or whatever, uh, what do you do to handle that? I guess uh, it really doesn't happen too often, but when it does, I think I give them what they think they want and then let them see if it's really good or bad. And I can imagine, I don't know, have you ever done that in your, again, without giving anything away, where a person goes, no, 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 gee, man, it's got to be done this way. Have you ever done it their way just to show them the outcome? No, no. I always, mm. I always tell them, if they want it, want my services done a certain way, I'll say I can't do that uh, because okay. I know I I've been in this business long enough, and I know that it's not going to work out that way. So if you want it done that way, I'm going to have to bow out. And I've never I've never lost anybody because of that. They've always huh. they've always said, okay, go ahead and do that, and and it's it's turned out fine every time when they've done interesting. That. In your in your formative years of doing this, when you were maybe not not your own boss yet, were there times that you did go along and your boss or whoever said, "Look, G man, you just got to do it because that's the way they want it," or has it always been always been such that you can work under your conditions? One time, one time, and it was you know everybody has their one time. I was yeah. working. I was doing some stuff. Uh, for my boss's wife and she uh, I was doing some stuff and she left for a week and and you know without getting into it again you know I completed my my task that I told her that I would do and she called me up the day she got back crying on the phone and saying it uh she didn't like not 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 what it, my work, but she didn't like the results of it, and so I had to. I, I mean, I I didn't go back and do it for free, but yeah. I went back and, and and did it over for her. And uh, my boss was truly very unhappy with her. <laughs> with her, yes. okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, and that, that was the only time. And and you learn from that particular instance to never do that again on yeah. that way because that stuck with me up to this point and and I don't do that anymore so and do you think on the flip side do you think people that learn that lesson typically do learn the lesson in her case yes <laughs> I said I think her husband helped her learn that that <laughs> one on that one he was very very irate with her with with what happened and it was an it was an innocent mistake and uh, it was it was fairly easily rectified, but yeah, uh, very costly too because I, you know, there's just a lot of stuff I had to do for her. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. Exactly. Hmm. Wow. What I guess along the lines while we're talking, this is, could be sort of business or sort of not. And I don't know if this question is phrased quite the right way. And again, I think I was listening to someone talking about this, but. What is the one thing or the best thing that you ever decided not to do? Work-wise? Yeah. Or or life-wise. Life-wise? Something that something that you decided not to do that you're glad you didn't. Something that I didn't do that I'm You ha- you had a choice and someone said, "Gee man, gee man, come on, do this. It'll work out great." And you decided not to do it and it turned out to be the right thing. I don't think there's been anything earth shattering that that somebody you mean somebody that tried to convince me to do something that yeah maybe it was, could have been it could have been something bad or or it could have been something good like hey let's go into the you know something business or or let's try this or you should buy that or something not not that they were being nefarious it's just you decided not to do it and it it was the right thing not to do. Well, it, <laughs> if you'd like, I don't even know if I should say this, but uh, I I used to have a friend that he and I, 
decided to make a gag gift together, and we were going to uh, produce it and sell it, Ooh. and I wound up not doing it with him. And shortly uh-huh. thereafter, um, I had a falling out with him, and we we uh, went our separate ways. I swear to you to this day, I was the one in my area that came up with a with selling tennis shoes in a store that sold only tennis shoes. I had the building layout. I had I had everything, and it was going to be Converse. You know, I, yeah. this was forty years ago, and and I I had everything ready to go, and I gave it to this guy to give to Converse to see if they would do something like that. I never heard back from him. And shortly thereafter, a, another shoe store came in and and started selling shoes, huh. eventually apparel and stuff. But ne- there had never been a, an athletic shoe store by itself that I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I guess it's one of those things that now it's so relatively commonplace that you don't even... You don't think even think there was about a time. it, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 like I say, maybe somebody somebody was already coming up with the idea themselves too. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that I thought it'd be neat to have a store where you just go in and buy tennis shoes, where you know. And at that time, they had Adidas. They were just coming out, and and so on and so forth. I thought that'd be cool. And when I gave it to this guy that was a rep for Converse, he was actually a rep for him. Yeah. He took it, and I don't know, six eight months later, here comes a athletic shoe store <laughs> in my area. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, interesting. When we were in Florida, down at the Southern Command, whenever that was three weeks ago, we were in a big big mall, and the Apple Store in there, which was a pretty big Apple Store, it was the busiest store in the mall by a factor of like three, there must've been literally 200 people in there. It was unbelievable. Isn't that amazing? It's that yeah. way everywhere. everywhere. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's at our, at, at that mall that is by, you know, our towns. Yeah. That, that yeah. They have that place there. And, and there's always, there's always 40 people in there. And there's like 50 salespeople in there. Yeah. There, there's like 20 in the back room, and they keep coming out like bees in a beehive. Right. And then you got 30 in the main room, and that's where that one trans oh, thing gosh. was that, that just absolutely drove me nuts. But anyway, yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. That is. So you haven't been back there to see your – have you seen that the uh, seahorse at – Wherever that grocery store was, it a grocery store? No, it was uh, Costco. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna just say it. It's Costco. Yeah, All right. It's a, but you haven't uh, you haven't yes. seen the seahorse? Oh yeah, I've seen the seahorse oh, yeah. there. Absolutely, I have. Any change? Uh, longer hair and colored pink. Last time I was in there. Uh, but when you look at that thing, when you're going <laughs> down through there, it's now to the point where where when you look, it wears a dress. And oh. has long hair and wears those girly boots that have the high heel thing, platform yeah. stuff and things. When, when I look out of the corner of my eye, it's like when I'm driving on the highway and I look out the corner <laughs> of my eye, I'll know it's a Ferrari or a Porsche when they're driving yeah. by at 70 miles an hour. When I'm looking out the corner of my eye, I, I know there's something wrong with that thing because uh. it just it just isn't quite right. The, the, maybe it's the form of the seahorse, yeah, or whatever it is. But I, uh, I'm so grateful that I can look out the corner of my eye and see that that's who it is, so that I don't go into that into that thing to have it check me out. I don't, I don't want it touching my stuff. Period. That's the end of it. Oh right there. man. So. Oh well, that's yeah. We had to revisit. We haven't talked about seahorses lately, so. Oh, um, we could we could talk about that for for a whole podcast, but I don't want to vomit too much, so uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep it to a minimum. Having said that, I think we should probably uh, put a bow on this round of, as Rush would say, broadcast excellence. Do you think he would be doing 
a podcast? I mean, I guess, of course, he would, in addition to his radio show. Like, I know some people, Sean Hannity and Dan Bongino and others have radio shows and podcasts, but he almost was doing the first one because he had that ditto cam that if you were a subscriber or whatever, you could watch him watch while he did it. So sort of started that. I I don't know. I think with all these other people, Ingram and Hannity, and they've got tons of people doing work for them. I think I, from what I understand from listening to Rush for, you know, 15 years, he had a very small group of people that worked for him. And that probably caused him to be able to just get his broadcast because it was three hours every day. These other people are only doing an hour. So um, I can't imagine him doing a podcast on top of that. But Right. Yeah. Do you remember where you were, were when, when you found out that he died? Kind of like oh, the JFK thing? Yeah. Um, gosh, I'd have, to, I'd have to think about it. I'm sure it sounds like you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. It's like, oh man, I truly thought he would get through that cancer, but yeah, but yeah, he didn't. So, yeah. Oh well. Sad day in broadcasting. Yep, it is. All right. Well, this has been a happy day for the most part, and it'll be another happy day next week when you tune in and turn on to the right angle. That was a 